On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Peter Gabriel's Us. Welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Ken Gregory and Paul Zotter as we switch back or continue in the Peter Gabriel catalog covering us. So, gentlemen, welcome, uh, welcome back. So, again, if I recall correctly, and I don't even remember the uh, the order, but I want to say that we are now returning back to Peter Gabriel. We did so, and then we hopped over to Fish for a couple of albums, and now we're we're back into Peter Gabriel with us. If I uh, if I have my timeline, is correct. is that really what we've done? I felt like we just literally did so two weeks ago or three weeks ago. ago. It was Didn't a month. Yeah. yeah. It was over a month. Yeah, I looked at the dates. But and you know, this was like all this an elaborate ruse. I, I think my master plan worked because with all this jumping around, I made you guys forget that we did not do Birdie or the Passion of Christ. <laughs> Actually, no. You haven't uh, you haven't made me forget forget that. <laughs> Because I was I was contemplating that, and it actually comes up here in in some of these songs because it, it you know it's there again, and and quite frankly, um, Peter Gabriel has a couple of different, uh, you know, he, I think there there's a couple more soundtracky type albums which I haven't even heard yet. Um, Ovo or O V O, however you say it, is one, and I believe there's another one, and so I, I you know I'm I'm constantly well not constantly i am i am regularly thinking about how we're going to address that but i do think that you know they're they're different enough that we can probably deal with them out of order and and the world will still spin and life will be fine so we have not forgotten ken but Mm. we are sort of moving on with with you know things that are perhaps a little bit more known or accessible or whatever we want to call it. This is an interesting album, right? So this was this was the first one after so. It came out several years after so since obviously we had the the time to do a couple of fish albums in there. And you know, it's it's one of those things. You know, Peter Gabriel is once again sort of doing his own thing. He has this Mega huge success with so presumably tours the world for you know a couple of years and and you know does some 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 philanthropic type work and then he reconvenes to to record an album and and puts out an album again if you just listen to you know the the singles on this you would probably get a different impression than what you're going to find when you pick up this album I remember purchasing this album because you know at this came out um you know sort of in the height of our you know sort of prog you know um oh, awakening you, if you will yeah you know so so we were you know we were schooled we were aware we had you know we were presumably 
you know, out of school and, and working at this point. So we had a little bit of cash in, in our, in our hands. And, and so, you know, I remember, you know, this was, this was an event, right? This was an event we had to, uh, we had to get this one. And, and I remember being enamored with it simply because it was Peter Gabriel. And, and there is a lot of, of good stuff here, but, you know, I gotta be honest, I, listening to this, this time, not my favorite. There are some, there are some Blast good me. points on here. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's a different cat, and I've actually got a, a what I think is a is a rather fantastic quote from him regarding this because it's a weird sounding album, right? Well, it's a weird era. We're in between metal and grunge, and on Peter Gabriel's website, there are a lot of good quotes about this record, and he he speaks to the fact that sonically, it's it's a little bit different, and. and and he says something along the lines of, you know, every album was trying to be bright and, and tingly and everything else. And he purposefully suppressed, you know, the high end on this. And to him, it sounded interesting. But to a lot of people, it just didn't. And, and so, you know, by his own admission, this album sounds, you know, different. And, and I honestly spent a lot of time trying to figure out if, if he had, you know, re-outlawed symbols again. I'm not sure that he did. It's just the high end is so crammed down into everything you can't you can't find it. Maybe that's it's, why I like this album. <laughs> it's really it, it's really small sounding. The funny part is is when I think about the bookends of this of this album, I think of these like giant anthemic type songs. And then when I listen to them, especially in headphones, it's like they're like tiny. It's crazy. It's crazy. But very powerful. It, it yeah. is powerful, and and it's 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 a very interesting record. But again, and and this is every time we talk about a Peter Gabriel album, it seems this is this is the the current the common theme, right? And, and you could maybe argue that a song like Steam is is paying his dues, but I'm not even sure that's the case. I don't think Peter Gabriel gives a crap. I think Peter Gabriel is doing what Peter Gabriel wants to do. You know, expectations and industry standards be damned. I, hmm. I, I think. Yeah. So it's interesting that, that, you know, we're starting out this way. However long it was that we started talking about Peter Gabriel, if you would have said to me, okay, rank your Peter Gabriel albums, Peter Gabriel albums, I probably would have gone so us plays live and then a close fourth place between security and melt. But I would have to say that after this experiment, when I got to us, I was shocked of how much lower I would probably rank this in the oh, overall, no. in the overall collection. Then I'm advocating for this album. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy it. I enjoy it very much. Uh, I'd like to just dive right in. So was in May of 1986, and so much happened after that. Of course, we already talked about immediately after Invisible Touch, Rage for Order, yes. things, things that are canon to the palaver. 86 was self-titled GTR, all sorts of things going on. You know, you know it bears repeating in June of 1986, uh, thanks to uh, the Without Frontiers book, they, 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 they call 
and they call out that month as being uh, a time when um, Gabriel kicked Genesis off of the top of the charts. You know, Invisible Touch and and and, and Gabriel were kind of neck and neck there, but also um mike and the mechanics had had two records that were screaming that year and uh hackett had um you know hits with gtr so G genesis was everywhere and anywhere in the world of pop music in 86. joe you already alluded to the touring i'll put some numbers behind that Peter Gabriel fans would amass in groups of 3,000 to 10,000 in the theaters that he previously played. Thanks to the success of So, he played stadiums that reached 40,000 people in one shot. Personally, Peter was going through this very long period where he was trying to repair relations with Jill, but he was romantically linked to uh, Roseanne Arquette. And then later on, leading up to us, he's romantically linked with Sinead O'Connor. That that is the exact vernacular in the book: romantically linked. So, really, uh, we we yeah. I'll, I'll I'll leave that up to your imaginations as to what that link could be. Back to the timeline: nineteen eighty-seven, clutching at straws, a momentary lapse of reason, hold your fire, big generator. Again, canon for this particular podcast. Newly formed band of 1988, ABWH. 88 also, King's X out of the Silent Planet. Mm. Operation Mind Crime. I guess you can imagine uh, Passion happened in June of 89. ABWH released self-titled in 89. Gretchen goes to Nebraska June of 89. Seasons end September of that year. It's a pretty powerful year there. Presto at the end of the year. And then we hop over into an entirely new decade of music. Uh, that is the decade of Faith, Hope, Love. Vigil in a Wilderness of Mirrors. I'm sure you know that one. A little ditty called Empire. Little ditty. Yep. 1991, Yes Does Union. Marillion does Holidays in Eden. Uh, I love the fact that Mr. Bungle is on here. Rush Roll the Bones, 1991. Internal Exile from Fish. Genesis, We Can't Dance. All this time, Peter is quiet. 1992, newly formed bands, Fox Beard. Reformed bands, ELP. I did see that tour in, in 92. Oh, boy. Now we're getting names like Porcupine Tree. Who are these guys? <laughs> <laughs> and Dream Theater. I mean, what 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 a time for Prague to come back. Where exactly is this friggin'? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe the timeline of progressive rock doesn't even include us because it's so not even Prague at all. But uh, we know we we know for a fact that this came out in '92. J Joe, bail me out. What month exactly? Oh, I'm sorry. We're talking about um, us. the album in question. Us, us otherwise known as Peter goes to group therapy. Us. <laughs> so, so perhaps Ken, that's an excellent segue into the particulars. Us was uh, was released in September of 1992. It was um, released on the label Real World, produced by Daniel Lanois and Peter Gabriel. The musicians' list is absolutely ridiculous on this album. Mm -hmm. 
Peter Gabriel, Tony Levin, David Rhodes, Manu Kache, and a whole just host of other people that I, I I'm not even going to torture myself with. Some some notables include Daniel Lanois himself, um, Sinead O'Connor, Brian Eno is credited, Shankar is credited, and John Paul Jones shows up yes. on here, which I thought was yeah. a little interesting. But I mean, it's, I, it's just, a, it's a huge cast of characters. Track listing includes Come Talk to Me with Sinead O'Connor, Love to be Loved, Blood of Eden, also with Sinead O'Connor, Steam, Only Us, Washing of the Water, Digging in the Dirt, 14 Black Paintings, Kiss That Frog, and Secret World. Us is the sixth studio album by the English singer-songwriter and musician Peter Gabriel, released on 28 September 1992 by Real World Records. Following the release of his soundtrack album Passion in 1989, Gabriel started to work on new material for a new album, his first since So, which became his biggest-selling release. Gabriel focused on personal themes in Us, including his divorce in the late 1980s, his subsequent relationship with actress Rosanna Arquette, and the growing distance between himself and his first daughter. Us was promoted with an early form of interactive multimedia software for Macintosh computers entitled Explorer One, Peter Gabriel's Secret World, which mm -hmm. featured, featured several music videos from the album. The album was a worldwide chart success, reaching number two in the UK and the US, and the top 10 in 12 other countries. Four singles were released, Digging in the Dirt, Steam, Blood of Eden, and Kiss That Frog, with Steam reaching number 10 in the UK. Gabriel supported the album with his Secret World tour in 1993 and 1994, which was documented on the Secret World Live album and same-titled concert film, both released in 1994. Us was reissued in 2012 and 2010. Now, it it's, doesn't really bear on anything we're going to talk about here, but it is perhaps noteworthy that uh, Paula Cole got her um, start, if you will, on the Secret World Tour. Yes. Playing the part of, among others, Kate Bush. Oh. N now, if we talk about the Secret World, please allow me just to insert here, the real world happened. Uh, uh, Peter grew too big for Bath. And if he were to have a studio in Bath, uh, it would have been with the the gentleman who accidentally spent some time with Jill, and that that that, that whole project went out the window. So Peter went off on his own to find a studio project. Bath did not work, and they found Box. Apparently, this is a an English town called Box, where he was able to build his studio. Real world. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Uh, and, and, and this real world studio in box was characterized by wide open windows, uh, which was anathema to previous recording concepts, but uh, worked very well for Peter to look out and see some nature. Although it was close to a rail line, which he had not really accounted for. You'd think mm -hmm. one would hear the trains going by as you are constructing the studio. Studios have always been a very fascinating thing because they they are so dependent. I was going to say artist dependent, but you know a lot of the studios aren't necessarily designed by an artist. I guess if you have an artist designing studios, that will be the case. But you know there are certain features or aspects of studios that you know 
different people have and or respond to. Um, you know, if you think back to the the to the bone to the bone episode and Paul Stacy's weird little closet studio, which doesn't seem like it would provide any sort of you know fertile you know creative vibes, and yet fantastic stuff came out of it. Um, but I think if it were me personally, I would I would probably you know lean more towards the the scenic picturesque windows that that peter seems to prefer looking through the the billboard top 100 of 1992 just pisses me off i mean it's it's just terrible if i think back to 92 i i think this was like i remember the union and the and uh, um not not union so much as i remember the box set that came out that four yes years or yes world or whatever it was called um that came out. It was pretty special. I remember Octung Baby. Hmm. Um, but I also I remember having uh this and constantly going back and forth between us and extremes three sides to every story hmm. in in like during this year. Unless unless I'm completely off, but I'm pretty sure it was the fall of of 92 when I was really getting into both, both of them. That's my musical context for that. That three sides to every story is an interesting part of all of this because I, it, it, it's, it's not musically related, but it, it does kind of speak to, and, and Ken, I think you had mentioned faith, hope, love was in this. So we're in the, the faith, hope, love Kings X and um, you know, time frame. Um, presumably we're in the, the, um, what the empire promised land queen's right i mean there's yep. there there's all of these different avenues are sort of all you know congregating around the same place it, it's interesting it's almost like you know bands were coming out of whatever weirdness and, and technologically driven and marketing driven the the late 80s were and they were trying to figure out you know what's what's the new vista where do we go from here and it it was interesting in that regard yeah and this was just before brave and what's dominating like regular radio is baby's got back <laughs> by sir mixlot i mean i don't know much about Sinead o'connor her wikipedia page does not read like you know a very happy person um yeah, I, I, I don't know much lore about Sinead O'Connor, but I was big into Sinead O'Connor at, at this point. Because I'm, I'm guessing this was right around the, the time of Nothing Compares to You. And I forget, that was on our second album. I forget what the name of that album was. Because that, that's really what, what launched her to notoriety. But, but honestly, for me, it was her first album, which I believe is called The Lion and the Cobra, mm. which is... Uh, you know, I, I should probably pull that out and listen to it tomorrow because um, that one, you, you know, and and actually, let's see if I can, if I have that quote, because apparently I didn't have all my proper quotes from Peter Gabriel. Okay, so here here's a quote from, from Peter with regards to Sinead O'Connor. I had a chance to work with Sinead O'Connor, who is a fantastic emotional singer. She sings from the gut, and that was a powerful thing for me on the Come Talk to Me track, which I'd written for my younger daughter. I think what happens there was strong, and it was also strong performing it live. 
And and that emotion and that singing from the gut, that is that's what connects with me hmm. on her first album. It is just it's it's emotionally powerful and it can be draining depending on where you are. I think that emotional expense or that emotional connection is probably what led her, you know, to get herself into some trouble around this time with with various things that she did. Um, but I think as a recording artist, there's certainly no denying the impact. And you know, I, I think if you can't have if you can't have Kate Bush. And and maybe Kate Bush wouldn't have brought a little bit of the edge that Sinead brings here as well. Okay. I'm glad you said all that before I started just <laughs> rip, ripping into her. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you not care for her performance on this, or are you just talking about no, her in general? No, you know, I, I did not care for any of her stuff before. I mean, I like the, the Prince song that she did. And, um, and, and she just seemed to be, I, I mean, for me, like, I just, she just seemed like she was really into controversy and, um, that's fine. And I'm sure she did it try to be, she just, you know, she seems like a troubled soul overall. And I, I it's, I, I was, you know, I, I remember being surprised that she was on it. Cause I seemed like, ah, like, that seems like such a typical, like, you know, I'm going to roll through the Rolodex. I'm at the AOR off or A&R office at whatever label I'm on and I'm going to flip through the Rolodex and find the the coolest, you know, it's almost like John Mayer calling up Taylor Swift and saying, Hey, let's do a Let's do a duet. Um, that was kind of my reaction to it uh, when I first heard it. But I think her performance is, is great on this. I, I, you know, come talk to me is it's, it's one of my favorite songs ever. Now, two point, two points on that. Uh, number one, I'm going to apply to the Roger Waters Foundation for a, a chair in, um, <laughs> in speaking truth to power on the palaver. Uh, so I'm going to ask uh, Roger to fund a, a chair, the, the chair of truth to power at the palaver. And I will be highlighting people like Roger Waters, Peter Gabriel, and Sinead O'Connor, who speak truth to power. Um, so I believe just... Ideologically, Sinead is a perfect blend for Peter. Not just a random Rolodex find. Yes. I, I'm, you know, I'm glad that you guys are setting me straight here because uh, even up until today, I, I mean, I, <laughs> like, again, like, really don't know anything about her, but found her performance to be fine. But I always just kind of thought, nah, that's kind of lame. Well, and, and, and keep in mind, up until this point, I mean, if, if you knew nothing about Sinead O'Connor, the only time we've crossed paths with her here in the Palaver was that disastrous performance of Mother in Berlin with Roger Waters in, right. in 1990. That that does not reflect well on her at all. And, you know, as for her penchant for, you know, courting controversy back in the day, Having very recently had the experience of listening to myself as a 25-year-old man <laughs> saying things that are absolutely <laughs> appalling to me as a 50-year-old man, I'm <laughs> going to give her a pass on that one because young people can be pretty freaking stupid. <laughs> Fair enough. Although I, I might submit she's still at it. Um, but but yeah, fa f fair enough. Like I... 
again, like I said, not really knowing much about her, it seemed like a kind of a sort of a, a, a cheesy thing, but I've, I've never been disappointed in listening to her, her performance. And and so you know we've we've essentially walked right into come talk with me and 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 it's interesting yeah and this is what I was talking about with you know I don't think Peter Gabriel gives a crap because while I I agree come talk to me is a wonderful and powerful song it's an interesting way to open a record <laughs> you know it sort of highlights I guess in in some ways it 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 actually sets the stage perfectly for this record because throughout this song and this record, there is a ton of stuff going on. You have, I, I, I wonder how many tracks are involved here. Cause you, you I mean, and, and again, with, with the whole host of uh, musicians and everything else, I mean, you start out with, with, with bagpipes and you wind up, you know, all over the globe, literally, musically speaking and and it's an interesting choice i think to start a song um you know with with you know the the Sinead o'connor track sort of right up out of the gate and and it, it it has sort of a slow build and it doesn't have like the huge hook necessarily but it it is exceptionally powerful so and and for me sort of like i already said when I listen to this, there seems to be a, an almost palpable pain or misery in these lyrics. There, there is, there's actual pain that's being communicated here. And I do think that Sinead amplifies that um, to a certain degree. And so it really does sort of, it, it's not an obvious attention grabber. But it is exceptionally powerful, and I think the the outro, if you listen to it in headphones, while it you know, and I'm not I'm not going to speak to the size of it, Paul, but it is very dense. There's a yeah. lot of stuff going on in that outro. I I, I love it. it. It it's been in my head for years. Now I am a sucker for just a, a few powerful major chords in the fashion of Salisbury Hill or come talk to me. He does it so well. I mean, in, in, in terms of uh, song length and album length and what he's doing here, I think I read that this album was 12 minutes longer than so. And that's risky. So was kind of a perfect album with a perfect length. So he is leaning towards bloviating here. This particular track, seven minutes, he's pushing the boundaries. He doesn't really need to do that. I suppose the saving grace, and I, I seem to recall this got radio play. Do you guys agree with me? Yeah, Was this... I, I agree. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think maybe the saving grace for FM radio was that they could fade out the end, if I remember correctly. I don't remember. But... Oh, my God. I... I um. At the time, I didn't know it was written for his youngest daughter, Melanie, but it's, uh, it, it's no less powerful whether you think of it as a family relations or romantic relations or whoever, the person through the glass at the external bank teller. I mean, just, you know, it's hard to talk to people. And I, I relate with this feeling. Yeah. I, I think the thing that amazes me about this song it is one of my favorite songs ever. And 
I've dreamed about performing this live, like literally just sat there with no, no music and just thought about like, how would I do this song live? I've heard, I've seen it live. I think the live version, you know, from the tour, the secret world tour where he's, you know, they start the show with this and he's like in the phone booth, right? Yes. And he's coming out and he's pulling the, it's, it's so well done. And, and I've al- I've always been amazed when I watch it how little is going on. Like he's just literally walking in the straight line, and how in a giant stadium he can make that dramatic, right? And yeah, he's he's a he's an outstanding showman. Yeah, yeah. You know? And 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 there's some of that that's in here because in all of the dreams of the way this would perform, and when I think about that performance in the Secret World Tour, even when I think about Jacob Moon's like cover version of this. I always think of these rich and amazing dynamics and how dynamic the song is. And in the recorded version, it feels very, it feels very not dynamic. Like it's just all the parts happening, but they're all, they're all so small that somehow conveys that emotion. And it's just weird. It's just when I, like, when I go back and listen to it now, I'm like, well, it's not really anywhere near as dynamic as I ever thought it was. But yet there is still is that feeling, that drama, the, the emotional character to the song that seems to drive those, those dynamics. His voice, maybe. Maybe. Joe, do you remember Jacob Moon performing this? The night of the Brave concert, I do absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that was wow. pretty freaking epic. Wow, yeah, Zotter, Um, yeah, you uh, inspired me to go see this tour at the Spectrum. I assume it was still the Spectrum in '92. Yeah, I think it had yeah. been collapsed by that point. That's yeah. cool. I'm and glad I we've did alluded that, to it in other episodes, but 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 thank you, Paul, my friend, for for bringing that to my attention. That was an amazing show. Wow. Yeah, man. I think that was one of those shows where we were all there, but we were all just scattered around the spectrum. <laughs> one of those shows, we were we were close, weren't we? I, 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 I have vague recollections of, of being on the floor, probably. Compared to now? Yeah, yeah, we were really close. Yeah. Yeah, you were. You were you were like on the floor. And I, I want to say I felt like I was just like on the first level, like sort of like parallel to where you were. Who the yeah. hell was I with if I wasn't with you? Probably some chick. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Peter, you were romantically linked. <laughs> I can't imagine with whom I was romantically linked at that point. <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> oh, boy. I just found a picture of the studio, and if if it, uh, our Zoom does not allow me to share images, but if if you were I think, to, I think Joe wiki, can allow you to share. Real world studios are like pink daffodils in front of a big windowed building. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, it just listening to "Come Talk to Me" at a quiet volume, and 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 bringing up this image is just very. Um, touching and bucolic so can we can we move on to love to be loved then i have the impression that you guys absolutely are are super into come talk with me i if in this opening sequence love to be loved is the song that that i'm really interested in Hmm. both 
for me. Sweet. Have at it, guys. I'm <laughs> sit back and enjoy. <laughs> well, I, I, I will, but, but I, I will give it some shade. Uh, jamming with it, I, I, it just remarked to me, um, it was remarkable to me that I found two totally separate songs. One was the, the very dark song in the beginning, and then it just switches halfway and just becomes a, a, a very repetitive major key song. Um, and there, there are no real compositional tricks or anything. It's just like, we're doing this now. <laughs> uh, so, 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 so to, 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 to throw shade on it musically, it's very simple, but it's very hard to cover in the way that the lyrics go. I'm amazed that he was able to pull it off live. And, and, and for me, you know, the, the, this is one of those songs where I think the, the lyrics, if you don't pay attention to them, you know, I, I think they're, they're fairly powerful. If you do pay attention to them, they're mind scrambling. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, here again, Peter's vocal delivery of these, of these words is in, in, in my estimation, you know, bordering on brilliant. Um, mm -hmm. and, and of course you have that just delightful emphasis on, on Tony Levin right out of the gate, which oh. you can never go wrong with that mm. as far as I'm concerned. True. Um, but, but this is, this is one of those, this is one of those songs where I do want to sort of delve into the lyrics a little bit because there are, there are a couple of sections that just really, really pound me. And, and I think the, the second part is probably where it switches to that major Ken. But in the first part of the song, there, there's this one, I guess we'll call it a verse. I, I just think it, it's such a great use of the language. I cry the way that babies cry, the way they can't deny, the way they feel. Words, they climb all over you till they uncover you from where you hide. We've talked before, and, and you know, here again, we're in this Peter Gabriel Fish sort of dual track thing, and, and they're both, you know, excellent lyricists, but in completely different ways. Fish is, is you know, a... a, a to, to use a, a Queensryche-ism, he's a very surgical strike. Ah. He, he uses, you know, very specific words. Um, he, he sometimes uses a lot of words, and, and Gabriel has used a lot of words. But I think at this point in his career, Gabriel has really become a master of conveying certain things with a minimal amount of words and leaving... Like, you still get the general message, but there's so much room for interpretation and to move around that it almost becomes more powerful in a way because every person can almost adapt it to them. Mm. And and where, for me, the song really just gets, um, you know, vulnerable, if, if that's the word I'm looking for. You know, it, when it, you get that breakdown and, and, and he removes a lot of the effects off the vocals and you get this old familiar craving. I've been here before this way of behaving. Don't know who the hell I'm saving anymore. Let it pass. Let it go. Let it leave that line. Let it pass. Let it go. Let it leave. Oh, it just, there's something about that, that just, you know, sends my whole nervous system going. From the deepest place I grieve, this time I believe, and I let it go, I can let go of it, though it takes 
all the strength in me and all the world can see I'm losing such a central part of me, I can let go of it. You know I mean it. You know that I mean it. I recognize how much I've lost, but I cannot face the cost because I love to be loved. Ah, oh, I just, mm. you know, I, I, for me, that passage, I think, is, is just beautiful, and the way that Gabriel delivers it is, is exceptionally powerful, and like I said, it just, it electrifies me in, in certain regards. Joe, I made light of group therapy at the beginning of this episode, because in fact, it was said that Peter was in different kinds of therapy leading up to this, um, but personally, I don't really make light of that. I, I endorse, you know, whatever it is that, that people need on their journey. And for me, that was similar things through yoga. And uh, the exact language here is so critical to any human growth progress. We lose our crutches. We lose other people. We lose that which we think we hold central to ourselves. And it's perfectly normal, but at the time, it doesn't quite feel that way. Yeah. Mm. Like I said, to me, that, that's, this is the song that really just uh, that really gets me going. But, I mean, this opening sequence, Come Talk to Me, Love to be Loved, and Blood of Eden. These are three pretty heavies right out of the gate. And again, this is why I say this is an interesting way to start an album. And this is not a conventional way to maybe start an album with this much heavy out of the gate. You know, this is the way that that Peter was was working through the things that were, you know, going on in his life. And, you know, this was this was the way he wanted this to go. And so we have to we have to respect that. And, you know, it's not that I don't enjoy this. It's just, it's heavy. Yeah. It's almost like, and I don't mean to get too far ahead because, because I, I, I mean, I do think the first three tracks are just powerful, but you know, to Ken, to your earlier point, it's one whole LP side, right? It's like 18, 18 minutes almost mm, of yeah. just heavy duty emotion and intensity. It, it, you know, when you think about the tracking of this album, you know, like Steam, if I'm being honest, Steam on its own doesn't really do much for me. But after the first three tracks, it's like a wonderful release to have that. And Digging in the Dirt, I think, stands on its own. But I also think it's a very, very good, not quite in the same way as Steam, but it's a very good pick-me-up after Only Us and Washing of the Water. And then Kiss That Frog kind of picks you up again, you know, before it really you know, sinks me, and, you know, in secret world. So I, I just throw it out there that I, and, and I, the way it's tracked. And, and, and I agree a hundred percent and, and, you know, we'll get to that, but you know, and I think we'll have to ask ourselves, what is the true motivation behind steam is, is, you know, and, and we'll, we'll get there. Cause I don't <laughs> want to skip over, over blood of Eden because I think it's, yeah. it's, it's equally yeah. important, right? Exactly. Yeah. There are some production notes here for blood of Eden particularly with the guitar makes me, you know, scratch the old noggin, especially now and think, yeah, this, you, you know, it's almost like if there's anything about this that makes you think, yeah, like Daniel Lenoir is kind of showing his colors here. Like it, there's some cross, uh, to me, it's crossover. Like that guitar is a dead ringer 
for the edge, I think, just in its tone. <laughs> and maybe that's not fair after all this time, because I love it. I think it sounds great, but it is just sort of a, a side note. A lot of the production on this album is it's it's interesting. I hadn't I hadn't thought about the 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 edge and U two connection, although again in this era, you listened to a lot more U2 than I did for certain. Mm. So, yeah. Well, the other thing, it's, and it's funny too, and, and it's, it's just really fun how going through and listening to some of these things after years of, of not, right? And there's so much about Blood of Eden that I love. Yet I remember listening to this in the last week, you know, and during the chorus, he has all these sort of falsetto, like yeah. high, that are just beautiful. But during the verses, he he'll always go into these high yodels, and it's kind of like I'm like, wow, I forgot about that. It's like I kind of kind of wish, like, why is he doing that? Like, it's I know that's how he sang, right? And I, and I kind of expected it back then, but now I'm kind of like, man, I kind of wish he didn't do that. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's almost forced, is what I'm what I'm saying. It's just his style. Could be, yeah. I mean, I could, I could just be cantankerous this week. I don't. Know. <laughs> I I can I can take the yodels and I, I can check the box of truth to power when he says I can't get insurance anymore. I just crumble. Musically, Blood of Eden is pretty sparse, um, yeah. especially when you listen to you know the other two songs where there's you know it sounds like you've got eighty five different tracks of of whatever going on. This is is musically pretty pretty sparse, and and this is you know the blood of Eden. We're talking about infidelity here, right? Just flat out infidelity. I'm not quite sure where the insurance comes in in the middle of all of that, but really, yeah. I never thought that this was infidelity. I I never either did either. Really? Yeah. It's it's that second verse that really confuses the whole issue. My grip is surely slipping. I think I've lost my hold. Yes, I think I've lost my hold. I cannot get insurance anymore. They don't take credit, only gold. Is that a dagger or a crucifix I see? You hold so tightly in your hand, and all the while the distance grows between you and me. I do not understand. See, it's it's the end of that that suggests to me you've got some sort of a, of a romantic relationship that is not going quite the way that you want. Uh, maybe I'm you know, being too obtuse here. Hmm. And, and, and then you go on after that, at my request, you take me in, in that tenderness, I am floating away, not certainty, nothing, no certainty, nothing to rely on holding still for a moment. What a moment this is. Oh, for a moment of forgetting a moment of bliss. I can hear the distant thunder of a million unheard souls of a million unheard souls Watch each one reach for creature comfort for the filling of their holes. Now, we know that Peter Gabriel is not averse to um, using double or triple entendres. Goodness gracious, Joe. And I'm, all I'm saying is we go for, from, for the filling of their holes right into the blood of Eden. Now, what happened in Eden? Original sin happened in Eden. In the blood of Eden lie the woman and the man, with the man in the woman and the woman in the man. In the blood of Eden, we wanted the union of the woman and the man. 
So that's what I'm seeing here. I don't know. Well, it's eye opening. All right, this is a throwdown. Hold on, I, I need to do some reading here. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, my interpretation was never really that. It was just these, you know, ups and downs of relationships and and how life changes you and how how life changes your perspective, right? Like, you you know, but but now that you know, I, I, now that you explain it like that, it's like wow, may, maybe I've missed it all this time. <laughs> and, and and like I said, I I don't know. I in, in my in my notes, I say, is this song about infidelity? Question mark. Because hmm. I I don't know. I think it's kind of the fun of the genius, like you mentioned in "Love to Be Loved," right? The the way that these lyrics are presented, you could interpret them in many different ways. Uh, it could be very individual. Oh my God. Not being British, we miss on things that we would otherwise miss. Oh my! Okay. Um, humor, humor me here while I while I bring up the Daily Mail. Okay. One of those tawdry British news outlets. Um, in the early eighties. David Lord had a well-documented affair with Gabriel's first wife, Joe Moore. That, that, that Joe, th this is the one thing that is starting to give credence to your theory. Uh, his father was Lord Moore of Wolvercote. The former Genesis frontman revealed the relationship a few years later in an authorized biography, shortly after he and Miss Moore divorced. Now, the thing that made me shocked was uh, David Lord has avoided prison despite admitting running prostitutes from his home in Bath. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I, I wish that studio business would have worked out between him and Peter because he may not have had to raise money in such a disreputable fashion. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's too bad. So there you go. Something new to think about. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And you know, again, so this this sort of finishes out the this this opening sequence, this intense, heavy opening sequence. And you know, just when you're on maybe the verge of going, "Wow, I don't know how much more of this I can take," Peter throws you a bone, and we get Son of Sledgehammer. <laughs> Now, yes. I, I say "son of sledgehammer" because in in my because it is in, in in my naive little brain, steam is as much "son of sledgehammer" as yes's big generator is "son of a lonely heart." You literally <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Paul. I didn't mean to, uh, to trot on your your thought there, but I mean it's it. They they both happen, you know. Well, I guess Owner of a Lonely Heart and Big Generator were a couple years before this, but but the the relationship between the two is so striking, right? Yeah. Because there are there are certain certain obvious aspects of the two songs that that they each share, although, you know, I, and I think you could probably make the argument that the second song in each case is maybe not quite as brilliant as the original. Yes, you could. Um you know, and, and it's just, but but at at this point in this album, 
And and Paul, I think you said it perfectly. Steam is exactly what we need. Yes. We we, we need to just go <sighs> okay. Good. We can we can you know we can rock out for a little bit, um, have some fun, and you know this I you know and again I I, I listened to this album in in headphones sort of as as my dress rehearsal as I was going through finally making my notes and this is this is one of those tracks where I think the production is you know it, it, the song itself may not be you know, all that and more, but I think the production is, is quite enjoyable, um, especially in, in headphones. And, and I'll be honest, I spent a, a good amount of time trying to figure out the sounds I was listening to, if they were, you know, bass or guitar. And I, I couldn't figure it out. Um, there, there are a lot of different tracks going on. There's a lot of, of tonality that's kind of, you know, in between could be either one of those. I don't know, but it, it's, it's enjoyable. I, I really like it. Well, there's some you guys interplay are way there too. <laughs> you guys are way too judgmental. Oh my, I did not make the underlying heart big generator parallel. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, quite honestly, I clearly referenced sledgehammer in my head, but I, I think that's that's appropriate, and um, I just really dig the words. Um, although I never noticed this line before, you know, your stripper from your paint, yep. you know, your sinner from your saint. And, I wonder and, if he's, exactly, is, is he right? still talking about David Lord? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, you know, stripper is, is, a, a, a legitimate, you know, um, phrase for, um, you know, paint solvent for removing paint from things. That's not right. it, but. This is Peter Gabriel, so you can never be a hundred percent certain that okay. there isn't some other level kind of running underneath. I don't know. I don't know what exotic dancers have to do with paint, but who knows? So oh, then, what boy. what are you thinking he means when he says, "You know, your ladder from your snake"? Pass. Um, which, by the way, comes in verse four, which is at least one verse too many, as far as I'm concerned. It's just so good. And you know, he does the lyrics after the fact. I mean, he must have had so much fun putting this together. I love it. I love it. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 perfect where it is in the record. It's it's a fun tune. I remember it being fantastic live. I totally agree with the my the uh owner of the Lonely Heart Big Generator comparison though. It it is fun. Like I I find myself unable to sit still listening to this. Like I, I just got to chair dance or do whatever because yeah. it just, it, it kind of grooves, man. It's hard for me to listen to the very opening of the song without like continuing to hit, you know, playback and hear it again. Cause it's just like, like it just like slides into the, the guitar note. I just want to keep hearing that. I just keep hitting the back button a couple times before I let the song go. It's fun. Well, I mean, how much better is this than the rap and roll the bones? <laughs> wow. I mean, it's it's not even in the same neighborhood. Because um, the, the rap and roll the bones is, let's be honest, it's not good. 
I just love this. Everybody knows dive, hold your breath, count to five, backslap, booby trap, covered up in bubble wrap, room shake, earthquake. Find yeah, a way to stay awake. That's much it's going to blow. It's going to break. This is more than I can take. That's great. It's perfect. Yes. It's better than the knights have a thousand saxophones. So get out there and rock and roll the bones. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> All right. I'm ready. I'm defending this album. <laughs> yeah, I feel I, I feel weird. Like I'm I feel like I'm like I because I love this album, but I feel like, you know, not it's not really coming through tonight. I mean, maybe I just have Stockholm syndrome because I've been running with this for a month since we spent a month since that <laughs> since that so episode we recorded. No, I, I loved it the first time I pulled this up in, in February. So so Steam is a nice little diversion. And then we we move on to Only Us. And the the main note that I have for Only Us is this is carefully controlled chaos to me. Uh, um, you know, there's there's just there's so much going on, and I'm not exactly sure. You know, all of it should naturally go together, but somehow it is sort of maintained in some sort of um, conducive whole, and I think. I think in in this song, it really sort of demonstrates the dichotomy of Peter's approach, right? Because you you you've got these different modes, these different gears of of Peter, and and I think only us demonstrates that pretty strongly. It's an intoxicating song. It's perfect. It perfect. There are. Is it perfect? Yeah. Okay. There are there are parts there there are parts in this song and and I think this gets back to what I mean by small and I don't necessarily think it's bad. There are parts in this song where the chords move and there's and there's like a it's almost like this and I never really spent any time analyzing the chords, but there's a there's a chord move and it's um it's like around the line there's like a musical pause on these battered wings still kick up dust. And and musically, there's never really a commitment to that pause. It's just like Tony Levin playing like a really sweet bass note. Everybody else is kind of just like still in the ethereal world. Hmm. It's it's a it's a very like it's not dissonant, but it's it's a it's a very sort of for me a nerve like a nerve-wracking sort of feeling. And it's really cool. It's really ah. cool because it, 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 it's you want it to resolve. You want it to resolve to this big like middle chord, and it never really does. And then he sings, you know, these battered wings still kick up dust, and you want it to resolve back to the regular progression, and it, you never really get that feeling of resolution because you never really separated from that original feel. I don't know if I'm making sense at all, but it happens in this song and it happens in secret world. And I dig it a lot. Mm, okay. I think I dig it more in secret world than I do here, but I, I, I get it. And the other thing that's cool about that, it's, it's kind of surrounded by a lot of Tony 11 bass finesse. I mean, I wonder how much of 
and Tony's not credited, obviously, but I wonder how much of 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 that is, you know, written or scripted by Peter, and how much of it is just Tony Levin being Tony Levin within certain structures, right? You have to think by this point, they're just like, I don't know what you think you should play. I don't know. What do you think you should play? I don't know. Let's just let him go do what he does. Yeah. And, and, and like, boom. Hmm. Because like the guy is. Yeah. I mean, just give him the, the, you know, the basic chord structures and say, Tony, go do your thing. Yeah. You know, who's this guy, Richard Blair, who contributed programming to Jack's four five, seven and nine. I'm sure I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I'm just curious. The, the sound is not something typically found in the Peter Gabriel keyboard presets, so to speak. It almost harkens back to Larry Fast. It's very ethereal and noisy. Yeah, it's hard to say what Peter did on this. Peter played a lot of synth bass on this album, not this song. He did a so lot David of David Rhodes. That's for sure. Tony Levin, David Rhodes, and electric drums from Manu Cache. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to guess who created this wacky soundscape on Only Us. We'll have to leave it up to Friends of the Flavor. There are times when it has, dare I say, almost a industrial feel. Almost. And, and, you know, it, it, it speaks to, <laughs> there's, there's just this album in certain regards has sort of an identity crisis, right? Cause you've got, you have more programming and, and, you know, technology used than usual, but then you have all these world instruments on at the same time. And, and so you, you've got all these different sort of inputs coming out at you and it, it just mm. it, it's it's an interesting amalgam there's your 25 cent word for the night i like the amalgam okay i'm down yeah you know what everybody played on five william orbit who only did programming for two songs is on here bill dylan on guitar in addition to Rhodes, and el shankar played violin on this one too. There's just all sorts of stuff in here. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, it's 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 controlled chaos. There is just way too much going on here. But somehow and it doesn't get crazy. Yeah. It it does kind of have that that dissonance of the song, right? Like the song is about him being lulled from the great escape, you know, back to just us. And all of that sort of musical landscape sort of represents that all the noise and craziness of the great escape that he's being called back for. And you could argue that when it goes to that sort of six, eight shuffle, you know, you're back, you're back home. Can we move on to washing of the water, please? Yes, please. Absolutely. Oh. It's a special moment. This album. It really, really is right. I mean, the, the beginning of this song is it, it's almost a red herring, right? Because it's mm. it's so understated. It's almost sing songy. And you're, I mean, if, if it had continued on in that manner, I, I would probably be saying all sorts of mean and terrible and nasty things. 
But man, that is not what you get by the time that you are done um, with this song. And, you know, we've, we've made reference before of, you know, Peter's, you know, water references and, and, and everything else. And this is, you know, one of the best. And by mm. the time this song is done, um, it's, it, it's, it's so emotive. It's amazing. Positively amazing. And, and this is another one of those lyrical moments for me when you get, you know, and again, you get this sort of break. Letting go, it's so hard, the way it's hurting now. To get this love untied, so tough to stay with thing with the thing. Because if I follow through, I face what I denied. I get those hooks out of me, and I take out the hooks that I sunk deep in your side. Kill that fear of emptiness, loneliness I hide. River, oh river, river running deep. Bring me something that will let me get to sleep. In the washing of the water, will you take it all away? Bring me something to take this pain away. Oh, mm. just slay me, please. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and again, Peter has this wonderful ability to vocally deliver these lines and the emotion that goes with it without it sounding trite or pandering or annoying or anything. It, 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 there's a genuineness, I think, in in a lot of the vocal delivery on this album that that is striking. And not many people can pull that off. Yeah. I think the thing that strikes me about the the production is in this is that you really especially compared to what we just talked about and described in Only Us, you it's a really like you get the the feeling of of alone, of loneliness, of just solid solitude. The way that the the music is so subtle, and the way that the voice is produced, it's just you, you know this soul is all alone singing this, right? Yeah. Um, I love that. I, I I love it. I also love the non-conventional, you know, sort of verses and choruses. They're they're not. It's almost like the I don't think that maybe the chorus repeats it. I don't feel like it ever repeats like the uh, going away part. Is that what it's, I mean, it's not even, it's not even like a part of anything else, you know? Right. The first it's time like, it's going away. And the second time it's river. Oh, river. Yeah. But they're not it, even yeah, like the same parts. It's just like, it's like the same mm -hmm. structure within the song, but it's like, uh, it's, just, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, I do respect that. It's more like poetry than lyric writing. Yeah, and Joe, point. you 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 hit it with those lyrics. Those that's the big that's the payoff there. And for me, for me, this is redemption of the '70s feel that permeates the first two albums in a few places. It's like he finally nails the '70s ballad he always wanted to write. And there's some, <laughs> there, there's something in this where it's bordering on an Elton John tune or something. It, it, it's, it's Peter's own twisted version of that emotional 70s ballad. It's something to do with the, the orchestration, but also the, the choice of the, the chords. 
And there are some weird things that happen with this when this with this song that and, and and it's going to sound like I'm I'm downplaying everything I just said or I'm blaspheming it or whatever. And and, and I, I don't want to give that impression because you know that that emotional response that I just described is the genuine response. This next thing I'm going to describe is just sort of an intellectual curiosity that happens, you know, in some sort of remote, unaffected corner of my brain. So there are a couple of different things that happen. One, and and I think, you know, the the water imagery here and the, the you know, and, and Ken, I'm glad you brought up the first two albums because it, it, it calls back to me in certain ways the piano voice duo version of Here Comes the Flood. A little bit nice you know and and which is is very powerful they're they're not the same but they're they're somehow connected there and then the the most ridiculous part of all of this is that line about um removing the hooks in you which of course makes me think of marillion's hooks in you which has nothing to do with any of this at all <laughs> but it just it, I I hear that phrase hooks in you, and it I immediately start hearing Rothers rocking out, and it just makes me laugh because it's so wildly inappropriate given the nature of this song. It's it's sort of like how when you're in a situation where you you shouldn't be laughing, and yet you have this overwhelming desire to laugh. So you know, take that <clears> for what it is. Yeah, huh. there's. One of those lyrics that you read, I I always thought was something different. I, I think what I used to think it was was a lot was a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> so walking of uh, washing of the water, absolutely spectacular. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't think anyone would disagree with that one. No, love it. it. I remember being so ridiculously satisfied when he played this live during the tour. <laughs> How could you not be? Mm. And then, you know, we need, uh, well, I don't know, it is, is, I can't really say digging in the dirt is, a, is another sort of breathtaking because it's, it's kind of heavy too, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's sinister, I, I think is, is, is what digging in the dirt is. It's sinister disc um, disguised as a, a, a catchy song, right? Because yeah. of sonic dissonance going on here. Yeah, I mean nice. it's def definitely produced like like the hit of the song. But I think what's you know like I hate to even say it like this, right? This was you know I guess if if we were paying attention, this was everybody's first sample right. of us, right? Like this was the video that came out before the album was released. I mean, if you had to pick a song to make an advertisement for this record, like this is the one. Right. Like it gives you that darkness. It it does give you like all the elements that we're talking about, but it's still produced like, you know, like a hit. And yeah. the video was sensational. Yeah, it, it certainly was. You know, when we talk about the production, this is another song that in headphones is exceptionally interesting to listen to. And I guess it's is it the bridge, the pre-chorus, whatever you want to call it? The the guitars in that, I I just think are are brilliant. They're about the brightest thing on this entire record. 
and and they just kind of I, I guess at this point when you you're this far into the album and you're not used to hearing anything really bright and clean coming through and you are like oh what's that that's nice. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's funny you know it's we we we've said many times tonight about listening to this in headphones and you know I've mentioned small production but this is one hell of a headphone album I mean yeah. it really is good. I mean, I always felt the live performance of this was a little wacky, but, um, but you know, the video was like, so uh, sinister, such a great word, Joe, but the way the video with like bugs crawling all over him and like the grass, you know, the dirt and yeah, but he it's, it's, it's hard to capture what they did in that video live. It, I didn't really, didn't really buy it. He was like on some big mound with a face on it or something like that. It was just bizarre to me. Um, but that's okay. That's, but you know who does a great version of this is uh, uh, Martin Chanella and uh, Melanie Mao. I'll just throw throw a shout out to those guys. Excellent. They do a fantastic yes. version. Is there anything they don't do a fantas- fantastic? Well, that's a good point. That's a good mm-hmm. point. I'm sorry. Um, how is the Secret World live version wacky? It's wacky, and I'm sorry. It's wacky in like the staging of it. I just, I just remember him being on like a giant, it was like a mound of dirt, but it, there was like a, fa- a giant white face on it. I, I don't know. That, that's, that's what we I remember. Ha- we have to see if we can find a, a YouTube clip to, uh, to illustrate that. Cause I, I don't, I don't know that I recall it, but. Oh, wait, the wiki here, the secret world live version of the song is far more intense than the studio version. This is due to a chaotic blend of high pitched distorted guitar by David Rhodes as well as occasional jarring synth bass stabs by Tony Levin and an expansive performance by Manu Kache on drums. So, so this is where the music geeks get to really geek out and do their thing. Gabriel wore a special helmet with a video camera attached to it in an antenna-like way, showing a great deal of his facial expressions while moving in time with the music. Okay, I understand. I was entirely smitten with Manu Kache. that I, I assume that's who we saw. Um, yeah. In our particular show, if he, if he did the album and he did the secret world live video, I'm sure he was also at the Philadelphia performance and, and just the combined energy and serenity at the same time. He was just so peaceful and in control, but explosive when he needed to be. So if, if we can, if we can take, you know, digging in the dirt as red and, and for being whatever it is, I I am fixated on 14 black paintings. And I'm, huh. I'm fixated on it for the reason that for a long time I committed the sin that I am going to um, suggest that others may have committed, and that is to overlook this particular song. Um, it may be one of those things where when you look at the the track list for this album and you go, 14 Black Paintings, what's that? I don't remember that. But 14 Black Paintings is, for me, a, a, one of the shining examples of the way that Peter can can convey so much with so little. 
there are a total of five lines of lyrics in this song. From the pain come the dream, from the dream come the vision, from the vision come the people, from the people come the power, from this power come the change. Fuck me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and it, it would be so easy to, you know, and, and even just reading those, like, it, it's, you can, you can sort of convince yourself, well, that's a little juvenile, that's pretty obvious, right? But if you listen to 14 Black Paintings, and the way that those five lines are delivered... It's it's not what you would expect. It may not be immediately obvious to you, but if you take the time and pay attention to it, I think this is a just phenomenally powerful song. I, is I, it a mantra? I'm, or I'm, it could I'm, or I'm, it could be album filler, one one or the other. Or it could no. be album filler. Right. Nah, this is the Paul the uh John Paul Jones contribution to to us i mean he's i saw john paul jones on that tour it was some kind of a power uh, trio or something and yeah, he had all the the bases with led lights in them nice years before everyone else had them yeah he was he was a beast he was amazing on that tour he played a lot of slide he but, he's all over all over this i think um, this is this is a weird song i i don't disagree with you joe i think that the weird thing about this song is, and, and maybe this is what you mean by overlooking it. Like, I will never pick up this disc to put this in to listen to this track. Like, yeah. it just doesn't do much for me. But in the context of this entire album, I, I think it works exceptionally well. And after digging in the dirt and getting us through to the end, it it is it does have that that powerful vocal delivery. Uh, so, and and I think you know it. And you know, Ken, you you sort of trolled us at the top of the episode. I think this song musically is as close to passion as you're going to get on this record. <laughs> now, there there are some some other threads that sort of connect passion to this record, but this is maybe the closest in terms of that crossover that you're going to get. And I think that's part of what I like, because I, I really do enjoy passion, personally. Well, specific to 14 Black Paintings, I'm compelled to read this. The titular pieces of art, 14 Black Paintings, were actually created by a 20th century painter named Mark Rothko, who lived from 1903 to 1970. The themes of these paintings have to do with human rights and by extension, civil rights, Mm -hmm. with the latter being a very hot topic during Rothko's lifetime. And they are situated in a structure called the Rothko Chapel, which is located in Houston, Texas. Seriously? Peter Gabriel got a look at these pieces some years back while traveling through the United States, and they inspired him enough to write this song. Palaver wrote wow. it, because, gentlemen, I am not lying. I happen to have a potential trip scheduled to Galveston, Texas, which is right next to Houston, at the beginning of May. Wow. Fantastic. 
we are going to find this these these fourteen black paintings. And we are going to document. <laughs> we are going to document them, much like Beautiful. I did with uh, with the church in with in Rick Wakeman's organ. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Awesome. So we're all going to kiss a frog. I had a colleague at work who used the phrase swallow the frog when you have something that you need to do that's difficult. You do it before all the other easy uh, tidbits on your agenda. I've been referring to kiss that frog, swallow the frog. What do we think about kiss the frog? (sighs) (laughs) I mean, it, it certainly doesn't carry the weight intellectually perhaps musically and certainly emotionally that the rest of this album does right am i am i being too harsh no you're not being too hard it's certainly no big time let's put it that way it isn't but on on the plus side of the ledger i do find that the interplay between the organ and the harmonica to be absolutely delightful yeah i agree I do. I kind of sometimes feel like it's a little bit of a throwback to, you know, some of his. Like, there's a little bit, maybe just because he says he's wanting it so much. There's a little throwback to, uh, you know, have the touch. I have the touch. But yeah, and 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 there are a couple of times in here when I get that I have the touch vibe. Um, yeah, not just on this song, but throughout this album, it, it sort of. Hmm. You know, there, there's something about that. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, it's definitely a candidate. If I had to shorten this album by five minutes, it'd definitely be a candidate for, for uh, removal. Just put it that way. Well, Joe, we already have an explicit rating, do we not? We do. I challenge you to find the double entendres in this piece. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's bring up the lyrics for Kiss That Frog. Sweet little princess, let me introduce his frogness. You alone can get him singing. He's all puffed up. Want to be your king? Oh, you can do it. Come on, lady, kiss that frog. (laughs) There you have it. (laughs) Splash Dash heard your call. Bring you back your golden ball. Uh-oh. He's going to dive down in the deep pit. Oh, deep no. End. He's going to oh. be just like your best friend. <laughs> oh. So what's one little kiss, one tiny touch? Ah, he's <sighs> wanting it so much. I swear that this is royal blood running through my skin. Oh, you can see the state I'm in. Kiss it better. Kiss it better. Kiss that frog. <laughs> <laughs> Get it into your royal head. He's living with you. He sleeps in your bed. Can't you hear beyond the croaking? Don't you know that I'm not joking? Ah, you think you won't. I think you will. Oh. Don't you know this tongue can kill? Oh, Come boy. On, lady. Kiss that frog. Let That's... him sit beside you. Eat right off your plate. You don't have ah. to be afraid. There's nothing here to hate. Ah, princess, you might like it if you lower your defense. Kiss that frog and you will get your prince. Huh. Jump in the water. Come on, baby. Jump in with me. Jump in the water. Come on, baby. Get wet with me. Um, Jump in the water. Come on, baby. Jump in with me. Jump in the water. Come on, baby. Get wet. Get wet. Get wet. I love how the subtle inflections of your voice told us when we hit one of those moments. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, those are inflections that perhaps Peter did not use in the vocal delivery of this song. <laughs> oh, boy. He, so, he, he, he has many inflections. All right. Well, well done. All right. That was worthwhile. Good call. Good call, Kenny G. <laughs> Well, we'll have to have a uh, we'll have to have a, a new segment on our show where we ask our <laughs> well, where, where we entendre. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we ask our guests to read lyrics. So as as much fun as that is, that leads us into Secret World, and you know, I I, I honestly at this point I don't know that there's anything about this song that is fundamentally different from anything we've already described, whether it's right. in terms of instrumentation or production or messaging or anything else, except for the fact that somehow this is absolutely the perfect way to close out this album. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and I, it's, it's sort of something intangible about it, but it, it's, it's just that for me. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I do think that the way that the drums come in, and just kind of play throughout, um, and 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 the bass throughout. It, it is very reminiscent to me of of that foundational part of "Come Talk to Me." It's a perfect yeah. bookend for the two songs. Um, it is. It is just perfect ending. Tony Levin on this song. Goodness. And the the imagery of our secret world, and it just it it has the impression of of sort of leading you away, right? I, I don't know. That's, that's, it, it just, it, to me, it feels right. There are still double entendres. He just does not quit. In this house of make-believe divided in two like Adam and Eve, you put out and I receive? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. Down by the railway siding, in our secret world, we were colliding. In all the places we were hiding love, what was it we were thinking of? <laughs> yep, exactly. Oh, what is Bashy Bazook? Is there a track 11? Oh, so that is, in the wikis, that is listed as the Japanese bonus track. It's also the B-side mm. to the Digging in the Dirt single. I've never heard it, actually. I did not go to, I'm assuming it's on Spotify, but I didn't listen to this on Spotify. Actually, I, uh, I don't see it on Spotify. No, at I least did, not I the version that I'm Spotify, listening to. So I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. It's not on the version that I'm listening to on Spotify. I don't know. I, 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 I wish I would be more prepared to say something really uh, profound here, but I'll just say this is that I've always chosen to take a more um, innocent view of this song. You know, after a lifelong a journey of relationships and struggle, reminiscent of a simpler, a simpler time when nothing mattered and there were no relationship barriers and all of the things that happened just happened. And, and you know, to me, that's, that, that's what that repeating line is in our secret world we were colliding in all the places we were hiding love. Yeah. What was it we were thinking of? I've always just chosen to be, maybe well, I, because I'm just a simple guy, but yeah, I, I've I, enjoyed that aspect of it. 
and 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 again, it, it's it's a double entendre. I think I think Peter understands that and and means both. So there's, you know, it, it it's certainly fully legitimate, in my opinion, to you know to to stay on that track, and you know if you want to be a little bit ribald and and go on the other track, you can do that. But um, yeah, I, I and uh, for a lot of you know, I, I generally react the same way that you do, Paul, and that's why I think it's such an excellent ending because, you know, with all of all of the salacious stuff that you know the the interpretation that you could take for for Peter on a lot of these things, if you don't take the salacious interpretation, it is, um, you know, a a, a genuine. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's 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 endearing, right? Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's almost it's almost re- redemptive in a way, right? Like, and and, and I, maybe that's maybe that's part of it, right? This this idea of you know we've dealt with all of all of this bad shit on this album, and and here you know it, it dare I make the connection? It's, it's almost like you know a mate again. All this bad stuff is going on, but here's here's a story of, you know, at there's still a a place where two people can go, you know, either figuratively or or literally, and that's that's their place where they can connect and they can you know have whatever comes from that, and and that that is that's a that's a much more positive message than we've received through a lot of these these other songs so far. And, and again, if, if, you know, this is what, this is the album that Peter decided to put out. This is what was important to him in his life at that time. And it, it takes a tremendous amount of courage to, to allow this much of yourself to be purchased by millions of people around the right. world. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I I have to respect that, but it it is nice to get, you know, on some level that potentially happy ending. So thank you, Peter, for taking us on quite the uh, quite the journey. And, and and so, you know, again, while I I started this episode by saying, you know, maybe this album, you know, wasn't my favorite. Maybe maybe it's just because I'm. I'm I'm not as energetic right now to be able to give this the as the amount of me that it it clearly requires because this is not this isn't an album you can kind of skate through right um you you can you can you know you can you can put it on while you're you know puttering around the kitchen and and doing whatever but if if you're going to sit down and really invest in it, it it's it's going to require a little effort on your part, I think. And yeah, it's it's interesting because you know you brought it made again, and then and then you just said that, and and I and it's almost it's almost sometimes the same way that Brave is, right? Yeah, like I, I don't know how many times I've been like, oh, you know what, I really want to listen to Brave, and I never do. Because I just can't seem to carve out eighty minutes of my day to um, to listen to it, and it's just not necessarily something that you want to just kind of take piece by piece, you know. 
and this is there's a lot going on here and you know like you said it's uh it's it's interesting it, it also a little bit like clutching clutching at straws for me in that regard now that i really think about it especially with the deep opening part like you know that openings yeah it's just and, and and i was thinking about that as i was as i was doing that little diatribe as well um you know because i was i was thinking not so much me because it, you know i i remember when we did clutching at straws and, and ken you had a very you know sort of strong reaction to that and not necessarily in a positive way um the, the <laughs> you know the Paul and Sanya on Between You and Me had a a very strong reaction in the same way that you did. And and while I appreciate that, for for me, there's there's something twisted about my relationship with clutching at straws that I understand everyone, you know, all, all of the, the the heavy emotion that's in that album, but it for for me there's that plugs into a, a different socket somehow. And, and I, I just, you know, it, it works for me. This one mm-hmm. is maybe not quite so much. And, and so maybe I'm having an experience similar to, to what folks have with clutching at straws, but, but I was thinking about sort of the parallel there as well, because you do have, um, you know, it, it, this, this level of, of, you know, openness and, and transparency and vulnerability about, you know, presumably what's going on in, in the, the singer slash lyricist's life. And, um, and, and it's, there's a lot going on there. At some point, he may have learned the lesson to always speak from experience. I suppose he could have invented a younger rock and roller persona, <laughs> but he just kind of admitted that he was a middle-aged man <laughs> where he was investing most of his time into human relationships and he was willing to share that. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, and again, I think that translates into this genuineness, say whatever you want to about this. I, 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 I challenge anyone, you know, to, to debate the fact that this is, you know, there are genuine feelings and emotions being communicated here. I, I, I don't, it's wonderful. I don't think mm. there's any way to to argue that fact. This streaming service that I use for music decided that autoplay would leave us and go into Garden of Remembrance by Fish. Ah, there you go. Interesting. And 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 the production on this whole Weltschmerz is is just wonderful for obvious reasons. We've mused about reviewing both. Peter Gabriel and uh, Fish, and then just accidentally hearing them side by side was was kind of a very touching joy for me in that moment. Nice. I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm glad our our dual track uh, is paying off in in both the ways that we anticipated and perhaps other ways we didn't. So that's very cool. I think this was uh yeah this this was an an, an interesting um sort of record to deal with and um yeah so i think we've got a couple of of fish albums before we come back to peter at this Uh. point so i have to pull up the spreadsheet and and remind myself of exactly where that is but i believe that's where we are so um you know we'll we'll continue to to sort of see where all this goes but at this point peter is going to be you know a little less 
prolific than our friend Derek, and we'll uh, we'll but we'll bounce back and forth, and we'll see where that journey takes us. So um, you know, guys, as always, appreciate your your time and, and thoughts here on uh, on this one. And and again, this was something that we sort of experienced together as as young men as it came out, and we were invested in it. And I think it's it's kind of cool. Joe, this would be the part in the show where you invite our audience to come talk with us. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say, Ken, it was, it was time for us all to go <laughs> fill up our holes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs> Look forward to, uh, to next episode and whatever it is that that is. It's too, uh, I'm too afraid to pull up the, uh, the spreadsheet for fear of screwing up my recording. So I will, uh, we'll close it out here. Thank you guys. And look forward to talking with you folks on the next episode. this episode of progressive Collaborator. as always we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you and we look forward to your thoughts comments questions and feedback you can reach us on facebook instagram or twitter we are at prog paula on all of those or search for progressive palaver you're welcome to email us our email address is prog paula that's p-r-o-g-p-a-l-a at gmail.com Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcast. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.